Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What makes for a great vacation? Depends on who you ask. Are you looking to get away? Or bring everyone together? Do you want to get outside and play? Or see a play at the plate? Fortunately, however you operate, I'm the destination you've been looking for. The name's Missouri, but you can call me Mo. And I have just one question. What's your MO? To find your MO, tap now. Or for information on safe travel, come see me at visitmo.com. It's the Transfer Show here on the Blue Room. Everybody's doing well. Start of a new week. Uh, new content out here for us. Um, we're just saying that. I've got Rob Vera and Dave Downey with me. So has anyone got a particular favorite transfer rumor? And Dave just point blank made some up. <laughs> Well, yeah, because I, I, thought, <laughs> I, I saw in, in my scouring of, uh, of Everton news and social media, I just sort of glance at various things. I don't really pay too much attention unless something catches my eye. And that's normally a wrestling article or something like that. So, <laughs> um, I, I was just, I was just you know, as you do, scrolling down Twitter. And I swear I saw Mario Goethe or Marco Royce linked with, with, with us. Um, someone had actually done a mock-up of one of them in an Everton top. That's how, that's how strong the link was, Matt. <laughs> then you completely, you completely dashed my dreams. Yeah. Well, I typed Marco Royce into Google, and Everton into Google. Nothing came up. Goethe and Everton. He was basically told that he he's <laughs> he so bad now that he needs to look at joining clubs like Everton or West Ham. That was the, the uh, news. Oh. <laughs> the, the new story that came up. He's gone from scoring the winning goal in the World Cup final, Rob, in 2014, to being told Everton and West Ham's your level, lad. I, I want you know you want to you want to argue it uh, because <laughs> I know that we we feel and I feel that we're we're not we're not you know West West Ham's a joke to us but we're probably we probably are kind of lumped into that kind of middling group of below the below the competitive slash elite group of Premier League clubs so you know I I, I feel like we're always constant I feel like we're always linked with the same uh, players as, as West Ham in these throwaway articles, but I, I'm fully expecting, and I'm sure this is not an original thought, but I'm fully expecting uh, now that Newcastle has all their, um, you know, mega murderer money that they're getting <laughs> from Saudi Arabia, that they're going to maybe replace us as the new sheep club uh, to uh, no pun intended there uh, to, um, <laughs> To be, to, you know, to be linked to every player just because they've got money, and, and so it'll be interesting to see uh, what that what that uh, turns out to be. But yeah, I mean, I, that, that's sad when we're kind of viewed as the. And we talk about that a lot, haven't we? Like we've got to get out of that whole cycle of being the the place that a good player who yeah. once was really good goes to kind of just collect a paycheck. So let's let's hope that uh, we, we're not at that stage. <laughs> yeah, and we'll be talking about one of them potentially later on. The main story of the last few days, one which Dave didn't make up, is Adrian Rabiot, who's had a bit of a, a torrid time at Juventus. Um, by virtue of the fact that he's in midfielder and he plays in Italy, obviously he's been linked with Everton, but the speculation's been a little bit stronger than some other players. 
and there'll be links to him over the last few days. So we'll have a chat about him. I'll also be quizzing the lads again as we do on the transfer show at the end of the show in regards to players who came in a particular summer. So we've got that to look forward to as well. Uh, Rob needs to improve after two poor showings over the last couple of weeks. Hey, I was better last week. I was just saying, but, you know. In fairness, you had Mike helping you last week, who we discovered on Friday is Everton nerd number one. And listen, yes. I came back like a phoenix from the flames. Me, I was, I was, I was at the bottom after the first couple of categories, Matt. So I need, I deserve some credit. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, you know, where did you Top finish three. in the end? Fair, joint third. Join third. Join third. There we go. There we go. So we'll be asking the lads about that anyway later on. But we're going to start off with a a question Rob asked me today, actually, and I just sort of I'll read verbatim the the message he sent to me earlier on. Uh, so he said, do, do, do any of us think that there's now more we can learn after the season restart than we didn't already know about the squad as it relates to transfer needs? So, you effective, so, so your question is, Rob, effectively, will playing these final nine or ten games reveal any sort of either chinks in Everton's armour or things that we've got which are really good or yeah. sort of... Over the course of the next 10 games, will our transfer needs alter? Is that what you're sort of asking? Yeah, so uh, a few months ago uh, on one of our pods, we, I, I brought up this same topic from the standpoint that, you know, now I think, I think at that point we were probably out of, um, you know, trophy contention or, and the season was just starting. And it may have been right before things ended and we'd started to, to kind of, you know, wobble a little bit. Uh, maybe the new manager bounce is ending, whatever. But... I remember at the time when the virus stuff first hit, I was kind of like, you know, I don't, I'm at the point now where it almost doesn't matter because I feel like anything that I need to learn about this, this squad, I've already learned. I don't think that there's anything new I can learn. Well, now fast forward a couple of months, uh, it looks very much, uh, barring some unforeseen huge spike, uh, which, uh, you know, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, given how quickly uh, things are reopening. You just never know how the, the virus will react. But um, it looks like we're going to definitely restart again. And so I kind of came back to this question of, you know, is there anything you – know, I think we all kind of – I have identified the positional uh, and, and needs or the deficiencies in this squad – I don't know that there's anything more I have to learn over the next nine, nine or 10 games. You could probably stretch that a bit and say, well, you know, it'd be nice to see uh, Moise Keane uh, get in and maybe score a few more goals to kind of solidify his place, uh, you know, in the squad next year as, as, a, as the primary sub off the bench or guy who ro- rotate uh, starts and games up, up top, things like that. I mean, all kind of fringe issues here and there, but I, I don't know that there's anything in, that can happen in the next nine or 10 matches barring, and I hate even saying this, but barring a significant injury of some kind that could uh, obviously alter uh, our priorities in the window. Um, I, I think that's what, what obviously, that, and that, that kind of brings me to the idea of what, what scares me most is that I don't know that I can learn anything. And the only thing new that would change any of our priorities in the summertime would be a significant injury. And then it just kind of reemphasizes to you uh, how little Everton have to gain from these last nine or 10 games. There's not really, I mean, I guess uh, if we could, hit the ground running that there's still I, we've, I, we've even forgotten this that there's still a chance of getting into Europe I guess but it's just like I, 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 I would be satisfied if you gave me right now that we would basically finish just about where we're at and all of our significant uh, players were were healthy to end the season going into whatever this offseason is going to look like whenever the new season is going to start I would probably take that at this point but um, I was wondering if you guys think that there's anything more and maybe I'm just not thinking about it that we can learn I, I don't know that there's uh, that I'm going to suddenly think we don't need a new a need a right back uh, you know addressed or a central midfielder to you know or an attacking winger like I think these are all things that are that are pretty obvious <clears throat> um, I, I think that's a really interesting question because mm. You know, you've, you still have the uh, ghosts of the season so far to haunt many players, I think, Rob, but also there's a chance for a, a, a blank slate for many of them as well, um, which I think if any of them have any intention of staying at this football club beyond whenever the next break is, where we're allowed to exchange players, then they have to book up their ideas in these 10 games. For many, it might be too late, of course, because 
I can't see a scenario where you're going to get a Gilfie Sigurdsson mm. pulling up all the trees in the last 10 games and sort of changing everybody's mind, saying, oh, yeah, we, we, we just had, you know, he was just out of form for the first two-thirds of the season and now he's all of a sudden come to life. <laughs> that said, I mean, you have to sort of weigh that up against how, how hard these players are going to be to shift as well. Yeah. So you you know you might you might find yourself in a no lose situation in that regard because many who we've written off might all of a sudden look and, and think well maybe we can get some value out of them because they're going to have to stay anyway. I mean there's no way we can get Shota Gilfie Sigurdsson I don't think um, yeah. at all. I think he's here until maybe at least there's a year or eighteen months left on his deal and then he probably goes for a cut price for a fee or even a free transfer given his age. Um, that that shows you the wisdom or lack of in his acquisition in the first place and the price of it. But then there's others I look at and I think, well, the people who are on sort of teeters on the edge of, of being neither here nor there in regards to our opinions of them. And I think, you know, there's, there's ones who you look at, Theo Walcott, I mean, you look at somebody like him who many people will write off and say, get, get shut if he possibly can. Well, we're not going to because he's got no resale value for the start. Um, and, he, his season hasn't been as bad as many others, um, which you know doesn't say much about either him or the others. Mm-hmm. But he can he can still prove to be effective, I think, because he still got he still got pace, and that's still um, somewhat of a it's underrated for us because we we've never been blessed with pace traditionally. I don't think in the Premier League era we can we can probably pinpoint players one or two in certain teams who've been quick but we've never had an abundance of pace in our side at all and he's one that does have that so anytime he takes the field I always think okay yeah I'm always one of the first to perhaps write him off because he has been pretty useless since he signed from Arsenal but maybe that pace can get you something look at the goal against Watford for instance there are few there are very few players in our team who would have the legs to get up the pitch at that stage of the game and be able to net that late winner so I think there are a couple there are a couple who maybe not, you know, wholeheartedly change our minds on them, but I think there are ones that can maybe <laughs> ease the sort of punishing um judgment that's coming their way from many of our fan base, because I know I'm ready to bring down a whole world of hell on a number <laughs> of these players. So yeah. th- that there is an opportunity over ten games for them to ease that pain, but not overwhelmingly so. So I think it's such an interesting question. There are plenty of nuances to it, Rob. But I, I can't see any of them who've shown us in the past that they're capable of changing our minds if we if we certainly do hold them in that sort of they're useless for us. And I think Not what you just what you just said there, Dave, in regards to you don't think there's many players who are capable of changing our minds. That's probably an indictment of the the players we've brought in and the squad we've got. The Yep. You don't look at any of them and really say, as, as much as you sort of look at them and go, they're playing to what we expect they are because they're just all right players. You wouldn't really look at any of them and go, well, you've got a ceiling to go higher if you do this, this and this. You sort of feel as though, well, they're playing that good because they are that good. There's no one underperforming or who's lacking focus or any of that kind of stuff. And I think with that in mind, you could probably put our squad into the two brackets where you've got a group of players that have been here more than a year and everyone's pretty much, maybe maybe the goalkeeper aside, because I know people have divided opinion on Jordan Pickford. Maybe maybe he's in his own group, but I think apart from him, any player that's been here for more than a year, we had to look at. People have pretty much made their mind up and and know and know what they're going to get from. Whereas you've got then you've got the players who have been here for less than a year, and you've got people like Alex Iwobi. I mean, what what on earth is the future all for him? It's you know no, no one's got a clue. You've got Moise Keane, who you know has been in and out of the side, big talented player, but we don't really know about him. Jean Philippe Cabaman, obviously we don't know because the lads hardly kicked the ball for us. So I think we've got those, we've got those categories really, where you've got players who have sort of we don't know about players who were sort of we know what we're going to get, but probably not going to get much better. And that doesn't really. You, you can look at players like Richarlison and Dominic Carvalhoon and, and Holgate and say, well, they're going to get better naturally because they're young. But you don't look at any others and go, well, he could potentially have a, a breakout season next year or, you know, with a few little tweaks here and there or a change of position, he could go up another level. And I think that's that's not that exciting, really, is it, when you look at it like well, that? Well, can I, can I make a point about that? So, yeah. 
we're in a, we're living in a time, aren't we, where a lot of people talk about peaks and using all sorts of graphs in, in line with the coronavirus. Well, to borrow that sort of loose, <laughs> loose analogy for a second, how many of our players in that squad would you say are on an upward trajectory, on an upward peak, towards a peak, who haven't peaked yet? How many would you say are in that squad? Is this, just, is this players who are currently on an upward trajectory or who've got the potential to go up? Both. Give me. I'll, I'll include both because I, I don't think there's that much of a difference between those two. I'd say there's three players on an upward trajectory. On an actively Holgate, upward... Holgate, Holgate yeah. Richarlison, for Calvert-Lewin. Yeah? yeah, yeah. Those three. Now, you fit that well, in. Well, Keen, I'm sorry. Like, if what? we're going to have two years' worth of patience of Calvert-Lewin not scoring... No, no. You're going to give me Keane. I'm, I'm not saying he oh, can't fine, get better, but, yeah, but okay. is, he, is he getting better, Rob? Have you seen him get better this season? <laughs> well, I mean, it's such a it's 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 just so it, it's it feels like an apples and oranges comparison to a degree because I don't know that you can look at any 19 year old's first season in the top flight and really make a great assessment given the fact that players like that naturally are going to be in and out of the side. But but yeah. but I'll grant you that. I, look, I I I think that Moise Keane is the most um, you know I, I think he's incredibly talented and I think that. By the way, in having this discussion, Dave, and, and this is the only point I was going to make, is that when you're classifying players and you're talking about where their arrow is pointed and all of these things, there is the role of the player in his own development, right? We talk a lot about guys like Calvert Lewin, who we, we sometimes refer to as these self-made types, you know. Um, but the Matt Jones made. Yeah, but but you know, for instance. Alex, Alex Awobi. So Alex Awobi feels like he's been around forever, but he's 23 years old. So I put him in a different category than I would put, for instance, you know, Bernard or Sigurdsson. Like the way I look, the way I look at it is, is that when you have young players under a certain age that have demonstrable skills, that yes, it is on the player to improve, but it is also on the club. As a, develop, as a developmental environment and atmosphere, the elite clubs are the ones that develop those types of talents so, to become better players. But that's, that's exactly what I'm about to say. So if, you, if we go those four then, if we include Keane, Richarlison, uh, Calvert-Lewin and Holgate, upwards for the yeah? Yeah, yeah, I might throw your Mina being only 25. Okay. Yeah, I might yeah, throw okay, it in so there too. Those five then, we have them loosely on that. How, how does that tally up with what, Marcel Brands was charged with doing when he first came in two years ago, because I don't think that's enough, and I, and I, and I think that in in the disparity you'll see between what you what you would imagine Marcel Brands to have in terms of the number of players who are on that same trajectory as those five we've just mentioned, and what we've actually got in in the reality, that is worlds apart, and and that's the problem we've got because. Referring back to your initial question about in these ten games we've got, can we can we have our minds change? Well, yes, of course we can, and it's a fact that we can have our minds change. But will we? We we know the answer, and it's going to be no. And the fact we've got those five, his it's a mark of how difficult his job is going to be in recruiting enough to get on that same level as those five if they're all shooting upwards, and everybody else is either plateauing to be kind or going like that. And and that's the problem. We've got five players. You, you think you're in that that far well, into a project, the yeah. Machiri one, which is a lot longer than Brands for a start. For, for a start, but let's not forget Brands has spent a lot of money there. How many of those? How many of those five are Brands signings? So yeah, no, I mean Charleston, Richarlison, yeah. Mina, say. Mina. Um, obviously, no, Keane was not. Keane Keen was. Keen. Keen. Oh yeah, Moyes Keane was. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. I was thinking so, of Michael so Keane for three. a second. Well, and by the way, I, I would probably put, and this is, again, where, where these types of discussions can't be super black or white, because we talked about this extensively yeah. and all the extenuating circumstances. I, I still feel, and maybe I'm in the minority here, I still feel we have not seen the best of Andre Gomez yet for a variety of reasons, one of which the fact that he's been surrounded by, you know, a, complete, a completely almost 
criminal lack of ability around him in midfield uh, during his time at Everton. But also, as I've said before, uh, I want to see him have an extended run under Carlo Ancelotti. I also want to, I also take into account that he's coming back from a catastrophic injury almost miraculously in, in the same season. So I, 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 I still feel like we probably, and you know, we, we think of him as being older somehow, but I think what Gomez is what, 25? 25? He might be 26. Yeah. yeah, but I mean that's the, these the, we're that's right at the beginning of prime years for those guys. You know, I mean, I, I, I you know, I don't know. I, I think that there are certain players that we we know. So, for instance, Dave Gilfie Sigurdsson. Nothing would surprise me more than him scoring a bunch of set piece goals in front of empty stadiums when games don't matter at all. That's that just somehow that's classic Everton, like, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and it just somehow sums would sum him up on some level for me, which is disappointing because I don't think he's a bad character or a bad guy. He just hasn't lived up to the hype or whatever. But you know, look, if if Gilfie Sigurdsson was what he is now, exactly what he is now but he was 23 years old, we're having a very different conversation. And I know we'll get to it here in a bit, Matt, but when you consider guys like, uh, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, Rabio. Yeah. I need to really French that up. But you know, if you consider guys like him who've, who are young and, but have been at multiple clubs and, and you have to ask the question, why are guys this talented moved on this much? Um, you know, I think that the, re- the reason that they will always still get the benefit of the doubt is when you're under a certain age, the conversation is fundamentally different. And it is up to – so I look at a guy like Iwobi, um, even with his flaws, he still statistically creates is, – is one of our best chance creators. He's 23, a Nigerian international. If we aren't the kind of club that can take a guy like that who by all accounts is, you know, a good dude – uh, good, you know, good in the dressing room, not, not a problem guy, uh, has talent. If we can't take guys consistently like that and raise their game another level, then to me that's an issue with the club. Uh, yes, Marcel Brands is part of that, but it's, it's, it's a, an infrastructure thing overall. And, and if you look, Dave, you asked before, like how many of Marcel Brands signings are on the upward trajectory? I, I think that that's – I think his batting at like his overall average percentage, whatever you want to call it is, is not bad, but I also think it's only been, he's had two summer windows at this point. Um, we've all addressed what we found wrong with the, 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 the most recent window when we felt like he didn't adequately address the center half position. Uh, though, as we've said before, uh, whether he meant to do that or not, we wouldn't be having a discussion like we have about Mason Holgate and Yerry Mina being on that list. If, uh, Kurt Zuma had been re-signed. Yeah. We would probably be seeing a Zuma-Keen partnership. And now I think we've had the benefit of seeing Michael Keane for what he is. Uh, and we've had the benefit of, frankly, not paying over, paying over the mark for Kurt Zuma, I think has revealed better values than guys like Gary Mina and Mason Holgate. But I, again, sometimes things work out the way they work. But I also do think that we probably need a little more time to adequately grade Marcel Brands on, on his job uh, in regards to recruitment. But a big part of, of as much as this transfer show <laughs> and, and, and the discussion is fueled by uh, player acquisition and player movement, uh, player development uh, and, and how these players look year to year, especially the young ones, uh, and how they are taking steps forward ultimately has to be a big part of how we judge uh, the, the tenure of guys like Marcel Brands. And I suppose the, the, uh, other, Matt, the other factor. Just, so, go on, Dave. Sorry, mate. I just want to come back on that. <clears throat> there was a, for, for a long time, and this is a common theme amongst Evertonians, um, not least myself, because I do it all the time, I get carried away with. With when things happen, and Marcel Brands was one of those things, um, and you know, as we know, it's it's a game of extremes, isn't it? When you when it comes to Everton, you're either a hero or a villain pretty quickly. And Marcel Brands was lauded as a hero very very quickly for the players he, he brought in in the initial um, when we had a, a bit of a purple patch under Marco Silva, everything was going right. It felt like this guy couldn't put a foot wrong, but. I'm I'm starting to have a little bit of revisionism about Marcel Brands. Um, not to completely write him off as, as what some people have done in the mess that ended Marcel uh, Marco Silva's tenure. But I, I feel as if that his his accountability 
has fallen by the wayside and, and sort of gone unnoticed quite some quite some time. And I think Alex Awobi is a big part of that. It, Rob's talking about him there in terms of, you know, it's, is it on the club to improve these players and the, the developmental issues that they've got? They either step up to the mark themselves with the help of the club or, one, you know, the club either helps them do that or they end up doing it themselves. Alex Awobi's signing to me was was indicative of a club that's still stuck in the ways that would have seen us sign some of the players we did under Steve Horse. Now, that might sound a bit extreme, but what I mean by that is he was a panic buy because whatever it was we were in with Wilfred Zahar, Alex Iwobi was the alternative to him. And we decided to go and splash £30 million on him in the last minute of the transfer window. Now, look, if he'd, if he'd, if he'd have done a, the job that we would have wanted him to do, if he'd have succeeded the way in which we wanted him to, I wouldn't be sat here saying, well, what was that purchase all about from Marcel Brands? That's fair. That's fickle nature of football. But when, when, you, when you look at it now, you think, what's really changed if we're doing that? If we're still going after players like him who are fitting right in the middle of that bracket that Everton have become in recent years, and that is getting the castaways from sides that are a little bit better than us that were trying to become better than how has our transfer policy changed if we're still doing things like that? Because Arsenal wouldn't have readily let him go. Um, I don't care what reason was spouted about him wanting new challenges or whatever. And he wouldn't have intended to leave Arsenal. Matt, I go back to that golden saying that you always tell me there's a reason why some of these players end up with Everton. And to go back to the initial point at the start when I was talking about, uh, was it Gertrude or Royce? I forget again now. Uh, and you were saying that apparently he's being told he's any fit to play for Everton or West Ham. I'm going to say something many Blues won't like. Now, I don't think we're that far away from West Ham when you look at the way we are. I don't mean in terms of quality. I mean the way in which we do business. Because West Ham are a mishmash of players that have shown it in, in fits and starts. They've had half-decent careers elsewhere but ended up at, at West Ham. You think of Yarmolenko, you think of Jack Wilshire. You think of players like that ended up at West Ham. We're not too dissimilar to that. We 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 we're very much of that th- of that thread where the players we end up with in our squad are neither here nor there. Really, are they? They've been at big clubs, and for whatever reason, they haven't done it at big clubs. But yet, they've ended up at us. Ours are just better than West Ham's, but we still adopt that same philosophy. And I think it's until we get out of that circle of how we recruit players that we're still going to go on and round about. Yes, Marcel Brands might be much better in, in recruiting different profile of players, in, in getting an Andre Gomez to us, in getting a Luca Dean. But again, those players, albeit at a slightly higher level, have still got those same restrictions on them that you see at a club like West Ham. That, that's why our recruitment has to be different. And to play devil's advocate, I think Brands has got a lot to show us there. Yeah, I think what I would say is I would have expected a little more, albeit it's still... Relatively, well, saying that, what it's two years, isn't it? Coming to two years, he's been at the football club now. So, in that time, you would have expected a, a network to be established, a clear plan to be put in place by him as the director of football. Well, you've to just be done on... an academy show, Matt. You've, you've just done an academy well, I was show. Just... That's another big part of this. You've just done yeah. that show. Well, that was the and point I was going to make before. Yeah. Like, on, in, regards to, in regards to having a squad that's all organically getting better. Those lads coming through just under the surface and pushing for places is important as well. And we haven't had any since Tom Davis, really. You know, Anthony Gordon was on the bench for a bit last season, uh, played in the second half against West Ham, obviously, but none of them have come through since since Tom Davis. And that that's an issue as well. And then also you've got to go out to the continent and buy some of the best young players, which we think we've been getting in the likes of Keane and Sandro. But to get players of that, that pedigree who are being linked with massive clubs as well, it costs money in terms of wages. It costs money in terms of the transfer fee. Then all of a sudden, you've got a young player coming through the door who may not work out, and you're looking to ship them out, and you've got a situation like we've got with Sandra at the moment where the lad's on 120 grand a week, and we just can't shift him. So it, it adds more risk. So I think the club have got to do things better organically. The academy's obviously a big one. The, the players that we signed as well have all been... Maybe apart from Richarlison, albeit that was probably the biggest, well, the most money we spent on the brands, they've all been relatively well-known and obvious as well. Now, you, you look back to last summer and you say, how many times did we see him 
reports from reliable journalists about how Everton are looking for a lad who's left foot to play on the right hand side to cut in and give us that balance and let the full back go beyond. And you look at Zahar and you think, yeah, there you go, he fits the bill. And, and albeit it was a massive amount of money, and albeit you look at our finances and think, thank God we didn't spend £80 million on, on him. You think, well, Alex Awobi's not that type of player. You know, he's, no. he's, 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 he's effectively a number 10 or a number 10 who tucks in from the left hand side. Zahar is somebody who plays up front or plays on, on either flank and he gets in behind and he stretches defence and he's pacey and skillful. And you sort of look at it and think, well, that doesn't make. That doesn't make any sense, really. If, if you're planning throughout the summer to play a certain way, you bring in Alex Awobi, who effectively is jostling for the same position as Bernard and the same position as Richarlison at the time, who's obviously playing on the left-hand side. And there's, there's no strategy there in that regard as well. If, it, if that like there was a breakdown. So, so fingers crossed that will be remedied going into this summer transfer window. And like you said, the, the one rumour that's been sort of doing the round over the last, last week or so, in fairness, was from quite a reliable source in Lakeith. He reported that Everton, well, Adrian Rabio was looking to, to join Everton. He wanted to join Everton's link up with Carlo Angelotti. Um, he's, he's not been told, warned elsewhere, like Goethe or, or Marco Royce. Um, in fact, maybe he's not someone who's here like, like those lads. But um, it's, it, it feels like the classic player we've been linked with recently, Rob, since we, we got money in regards to really talented, played at major clubs in, in the past. Obviously, Juventus in Paris Saint-Germain. He was on Man City's books as a youngster as well. But there's baggage there, there's issues there. It's not worked out for him elsewhere. And it's just, I just feel again, it's one of, the, one of those where you look at it and go, albeit oh, if you got it right with him, he could potentially go on to be a world class midfielder. These lads just don't seem to come, so to, to come good at Everton. And even with Carlo Angelotti here potentially providing that guidance and that, you know, that leadership that could help a young player like that, it just doesn't feel like the right sort of move for me. Oh, well, I. I, I think what's interesting is, you know, based on this conversation that we're having and, and some of the things, Dave, that you were just talking about, like, you know, if a guy like Rabio had been at uh, two or three prominent Premier League clubs and we were talking about getting him now, uh, then everyone would be writing him off as this guy who's been failing downwards towards Everton. Um, but he's coming from some big clubs in Europe. And so what, yeah, what direction does that go? Uh, does that go in the Luca Dean direction, uh, where Luca Dean came here and essentially, uh, especially his first season, and, and the more the more I look at this season, as much as I feel underwhelmed, the numbers are still pretty decent. But I think the eyeball test for Luca Dean I admit is good. But but that aside, um, look, I, this idea I, I love the idea, guys, that we're only going to sign players who come from uh, who who are who have never failed and have only been awesome. Uh, but because of the market we play in, because of the fact that we are not in the Champions League, because of, a, you know, a variety of factors, we have to, we have to have sort of an all hands on deck approach, which says that, yes, we want to sign young, young up and coming talents, you know, your Moise Keens, whatever. Uh, but we also are going to have to buy, by the, by our circumstances alone, take some flyers on players who we look at and say, look, they have not succeeded at one place or another, but I look at their talent, I look at their age profile, and I look at the fact that we say we have the best, one of the best managers in, in football history, and I believe that we can get something more out of this player that we that he was not able to produce in other places. So that's the optimistic view of a guy like Rabio is that you say he's still young, he's talented, he's, he's a year younger than um, Andre Gomes, but at that same time, he's 25, so he's not a baby. Uh, he's not a, you know, I think once you're 25, you're not a young player anymore to me. You're, you're right firmly in the middle of your, your prime, uh, unless you're a goalkeeper, and then we get to use the excuse that you're a kid when you're 25, and then you can go <laughs> a bender or whatever. But um, I, you know, I so I look at Rabio, and I think that you you watch the highlights, you see him play. Uh, he seems to possess all the skills, you know, that that we seem to be sorely lacking in central midfield. But on the other hand. Uh, <laughs> I think some very fundamental questions can be, and some pretty obvious questions and fair questions can be asked about whether or not he is a 
uh, to, to use an American sports term, a locker room cancer. Um, he is someone whose diva-ish attitude, his weird relationship with his mother, who also seems to be very overbearing and, and all of these things. Like the question becomes, does his talent uh, outweigh the potential baggage that you bring into the club? Um, especially, by the way, and this is the other thing that scares me about Rabio, we are in a position where we have talked about the idea of, of not only lacking certain uh, footballing traits in the squad, but lacking leadership. Um, it's one thing to bring a player with a, 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 quote, personality and an ego and an attitude or whatever into an established dressing room who has established leaders. We are a squad currently, and I feel like we've been saying this for a decade now, but we are a squad that is bereft of leadership. And we have seen that on display at the moments when it counts most. Um, I, don't, I don't know who the last, it's been a while since we've had a, a you know, it, it's not just even about the captain. It's about accountability and leadership throughout the squad. I mean, we've just been lacking that for the better part of a decade. And so, um, I would feel better if, if Rabio were a guy that you bring in who you are not relying upon. Uh, you are hoping to just simply uh, take a, take a flyer on him and, and he, and, and he works out, but if he doesn't work out, we'll be okay. I don't know that we're in the position to do that. Maybe the question becomes, you know, uh, what does the cost of acquiring him, uh, you know, in terms of the total package look like? Um, it, there's always that point at which it's the, the price is low enough that you're willing to take that risk because if it doesn't work out, you haven't really lost anything. But when you've got a guy who has had, you know, who's had documented uh, issues at the clubs that he's been at in the past in terms of his, you know, of, 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 not, not his skill per se, but his, his output, his, you know, everything that comes along with him. Um, frankly, I'd feel better about this if we had a, a more solid uh, dressing room uh, yeah. and a more solid structure. And so, uh, but, but again, I'll go back to the final, this is my final point. Look, there are, we're Everton and Everton right now are in a position that, demands that you're going to take some risks on players and some of those risks aren't going to work out when you're in the champions league and it feels like a catch 22 doesn't doesn't it you know like if you're in the champions league you already have this magnet uh that that, that attracts certain players of profiles that that are inherently less risk in some ways mm -hmm. but when you're not you have to take these risks and what you have to hope is that you sign a, a rabio type and it just works out, and then you look smart, and then you're at another level. And so it's a tricky game, and I, I think that's where, you know, signing him is, is, is filled with risk, but as you can see from his highlights, it's, it's potentially mm -hmm. filled with reward. So that becomes the question. Can this current structure with Carlo Ancelotti as manager – uh, you know, make him successful. Uh, there's a better chance of it happening with him, a manager that, that Rabio, by, by all accounts, respects than it would have been under Marco Silva. So I think that becomes the, the bigger question. So it's, it's complicated for sure. Yeah, I think it, uh, it, I sort of look at him, Dave, as, as a player, and albeit he's had issues and albeit he's not played much in, in recent years because obviously when his contract was run down at PSG, he was sort of banished from the training ground. He didn't want him anywhere near them. Um, at Juventus, he had his injury issues, struggled to get into to their midfield. I think I think those players that are at just a precarious point in the career where it can go one way or another aren't really suited to Everton, like I was like I was saying there. And so to look at him and go, if you dropped him into Liverpool squad, you can guarantee that he'd kick on and he'd become a really good player. Because like like Rob was saying, the conditions are there for players to go there and do well because everything around them. Everything around them in regards to the manager, the characters in the dressing room, the system, the work ethic, it's all there. I mean, it's been a long time since they signed somebody and it's not worked out for them. And I think that's because of the culture and the leadership of the football club now. Whereas I don't know if we are there yet. And so to, to go what Rob was saying, this feels like a, a player that Everton could maybe look to sign in a couple of years when Carlo Angelotti's got his feet under the desk a little bit more and got his ideas across and brought his own players in and maybe changed the staff and got some more, you know, some bigger characters and some better leaders in the team. Right now, I'm not entirely sure I'd be looking to take a gamble on him. Yeah. I've, well, I've, it, the difficulty becomes, and I, I agree with everything you've said there, I agree that the risk factor in it, I agree in, 
the sort of comparison with Liverpool and, and how he undoubtedly he'd seamlessly slot into them. I mean, the example that I best use from them is Jordan Security, who, you know, for a fact, we were linked to them several times, weren't we? Yeah. If, he was to come to, if he was to come to us before he went to Liverpool when he left Stoke, I, I can bet me bottom dollar it would have been a catastrophe. Flamed out completely. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. But for, for them, he, Klopp's got what he needed from him. Yes, all right, he, he's probably going to leave now, isn't he? But he, he got what he needed from him. He's been quite useful off the bench for them. Scored a couple of winners against Man United and things like that. Scored he's able scores. to keep that. He, yeah, exactly. He's able to keep that motivation uh, for those players. We, we don't have that environment, Matt. I think you're absolutely spot on. And that's not that's not a criticism of the player per se. It's just whether those conditions are actually right for them to thrive. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier. I think when when Rob we were talking about player, players' development and where the onus is on the club to help them thrive, we don't have anywhere near that environment. I mean, you, you look at how someone like Carl Lewin's come to the fore. He, he's done that by basically sheer fight and determination yeah. off his own back. To get to where he is now, he could. I'm, I'm pretty sure Dominic Calvert Lewin could have left Everton numerous times in the last couple of years, and he would have been well within his rights to have pushed for a move away from us, given how he was treated. And also, look, not many of us thought he was he was good for a while. You notwithstanding, Matt. But with with someone like a, a Rabio, I think you're spot on. I think you need an environment for him to sort of buy into. You need an environment where. He's going to be able to bounce off other players, be able to be part of that structure. And and I see him as somebody you buy at Everton who come in and be the superstar midfield player. He'd be one of our marquee signings, the modern-day parlance, mm-hmm. but that's it, as we know. Um, he'd have to come in and be that player. Uh, that, that, to me, you, you are walking a tightrope with, with players like that. You're walking a tightrope with what you ask of them. Um, you instantly want them to come in and be a hit with the fans and somebody who will be a bit of a talisman for us. And I've just watched while you guys were talking there. I had one ear on you guys and one eye watching this. And he, he looks the exact type of player that we need. Don't get me wrong. I, I think he's, he's he's very powerful midfield runner. He loves putting his foot in. He's got a real touch of class about him and he can find a forward pass as well. That, that sounds like what we're crying out for. But again, there's so many other um, complicated pieces to that jigsaw, isn't there, that we know that you have mm. to burden yourself with when you sign for us and it annoys the hell out of me the fact that we don't have that environment in place because that should be one of the things that comes naturally to a football club like us when when we're trying to kick on when we've got the finances that we do have these days the, the easy part should be integrating them into our sides and, and being able to make them efficient players for us from the, from the off but for some reason that does not happen naturally at Everton and you do think with is sort of is short history and like you say, Matt, it, various issues, whether they're his fault or not, and, and him not being able to settle at a club like Juventus does ring those same old alarm bells. So you're absolutely right. But well, then that, yeah, the other side of it is who's going to go for? Yeah, I was just gonna say, Dave, the fact that he's been at Juventus, who you would look at from the outside and say, they have got the right leadership and the right setup. You've got a manager in Sari who's got a lot of respect over there. You've got yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo is there, somebody throughout his career who just sets the highest standards possible in training and on the pitch. You've got people like Buffon who come back into the squad, Chiellini, you know, Benucci, the list is, is endless there of the players they've got. And for one reason or another, after a few months of being there, it's already talk about them leaving. And whether, you know, regardless of what's happened this season, it's clear as people are briefing and making nudges about them wanting to move on. So that's, that's mm. not encouraging. Um, and what, what's gotta, his motivation at Everton, Matt? What's his motivation at Everton? Well, if, you, if, you, if you're looking at it favourably, from our point of view, you could say to work under someone like Angelotti to play in the to, to play in the Premier League, to be yeah. guaranteed regular football. Because even, like I said, at Juventus, albeit he's a talented lad, you've got people like Matuidi, Pjanic, Bentancur, Aaron Ramsey signed for them as well, didn't he, in the summer as well. He's a, he's a central midfielder. Emre Chan was there, albeit he's left now. So there are there is competition there, but... Again, it, it, I think the point Rob made is, is absolutely spot on in regards to if he played for Manchester United and Arsenal and all of a sudden he was coming to Everton, you'd say, well, why are we getting cast yeah. off here? But because it's, it's, again. Yeah, because it's Juventus, <laughs> because it's Juventus, because it's Paris Saint-Germain, it's a bit different. But mm. and we've, got, we've got a couple of minutes left, so I will ask you your weekly question. So the, the window this week, where I want you to name the players Everton signed, 
is 2005. So this is after that wonderful campaign where Everton finished fourth in the Premier League table. Um, got into the Champions League, got knocked out of that, and then got knocked out of the Europa League pretty quickly afterwards as well. In that summer, Everton signed six players. Six players. Sorry, they signed five, pl- they signed five players in that summer and they got a short-term loan in, in the January. So six and seven throughout the course of the campaign. In the summer... Beside three players from Syria and two players from the Premier League. Um, you can take turns of naming them. I will come to you first, Rob Vera. Uh, one of, I'll just never forget because I, this is the very first transfer window I ever tried to follow. And again, this was pre-Twitter. Uh, but uh, Krolldrup came that summer. I know that. Boy, what a disaster. What a, I, I, I thought, wow, he's got a name I can barely pronounce. I bet he's awesome. And, boy, <laughs> what, and, and that's when I learned about the uh, true heartbreak of, of this beautiful thing we call the transfer. Yeah, I joined for five million from Udinese and then was shipped to Fiorentina um, in January later that year uh, for 3.6 million. Uh, Dave, you've got f- five left, four in the summer, one in January. Uh, I will go for another summer acquisition. It was, I'm, I'm, well, I'm certain it was deadline day, and he'll it, always live in infamy. Andy Van der Meijer. Andy Van der Meijer, yeah, from Inter Milan. Um, obviously didn't work out for him in the end. So I was two, buzzing when we signed him. Yeah, so was I. Uh, always remember the, uh, yeah, the old celebration when he scored. <laughs> <laughs> clay, pigeon, clay pigeon shooting to go with the PC yeah, version. Yeah. This, I think this was January, if I remember correctly, but James Beattie was this time period, yes? He was the January before, so he was January of 2005. Ah, okay. Damn it. Okay. Uh... So, I'll give you some clues. Um, So, the two... Phil Neville, Phil Neville. Phil Neville's one, yeah. Man United, three and a half million. Bargain. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So, you... So we've got one midfielder from the Premier League, one defender who joined on a season-long loan from Italy, signed from Roma. The only Italy one I can remember, and I don't know if I'm even in the right year, and I only remember this because the last name was uh, Ferrari, wasn't it? Yes, wasn't it that's, Ferrari? that's correct, yeah. Yeah, that, that's all I've got is curled up Ferrari, and I, I was wrong about Beattie, so I swore And he Beattie was really was, uh, good. God, yeah. Matteo Ferrari was really good. I think he played yeah. like seven games, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was decent. Uh, um, so we've got one, one more permanent signing, Dave, and then one loan from January. Was it Valente? No. We're not signed Valente in that summer. No, he was there. The, he was there the season after, I think. Oh, I don't know. You know, I think you need to check that. I'm pretty sure we signed Valente no. that summer. Was no. M- well, Mikel, no, Arteta, it wasn't Arteta. Was Arteta it? was the season before. Before, yeah. Okay, crap. We signed him from Tottenham Hotspur. I'm basically telling you the answer there now. Oh, I don't know. Dave, Who was it? Defender, midfielder, Andy Gardner, Andy Gardner, no, midfielder. Midfielder from oh, Simon Davis. Simon Davis. Oh, oh my oh, God. I for, yeah, I think that was the first time. That, now that rings the bell. That was the first time I'd ever learned that um, you pronounced what I read as Davies, and it was Davis. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't uh, any, Simon Davis. Does anyone know the emergency loan signing in January? We Did no. we not get Alan Stubbs back? No. Goalkeeper? Espen Bardson? No. From Portsmouth. Oh, we was Westerveld. Sander Westerveld, yeah. Yeah. Jeez. There you go. Oh, there lovely you go. guy, him by the way. He's really yeah. nice fella, him. Nuno Valente was the summer after, so. Oh yeah. I like I like Nuno Valente for a yeah. little period of time. Valente yeah. was a decent left bit back. Of a, yeah. Bit of a dreamboat for a bit, wasn't he as well? But uh, yeah, he was. Was he? Nuno Valente was the last left back I remember before Leighton Baines for some reason. Johnny, <laughs> Johnny, Johnny, Johnny well, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, I know. I just never can think of him that way, even though I know that's that he did that for sure. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, lads, it's been a pleasure. Uh, that's been yep. your transfer show for this week. Uh, we might have some more rumours to talk about next week. Who knows? But uh, interesting stuff. Nevertheless, from Dave and Rob, uh, we'll have our weekly show out later this week as well. Uh, me and Dave will continue our odyssey of a review of the 2012-13 <laughs> season. We've done two parts, so we're not even in the new year yet, I don't think so. Uh, we'll, <laughs> yeah, 
Mark Mosey's going to join us for that. Uh, Rob, kickabout this week. Um, kickabout. I've uh, got uh, the the old crew back of uh, Les Roberts and Kate Riley James. Uh, yes. So we'll be talking about a variety of things that I haven't totally figured out yet. But I I will I will preview this one bit. Um, I have I prompted them. Uh, I didn't say they had to, but I just said that I'd finished. I'm finishing watching it. The uh, the Last Dance documentary uh, that just has been finishing up. It's such a it's such a fascinating watch. Free episode. Oh yeah, are you liking it so far? Even if you're not into basketball, is the, it interesting? The footage of Jordan when he's younger is just unbelievable. He like, is. He is incredible. His his ability to watch is, him at that age when he's just that raw and dynamic. It's just he is a freak of nature, isn't he? Yeah, it's it's when you and by the way, I I, I will I will say this one thing about the Last Dance. It's Granted, the season structure is very different in, in some of our traditional American sports, uh, you know, where there's playoffs involved and all these other things. But watching the evolution of this team with this one great player having to, you know, be defeated multiple times and overcome the same team and finally get over the hump and, and achieve true greatness is such an interesting case study. Uh, it is such a that, – that, that really is something that you can take with you through all sport. Uh, it, but it's a it's, it's fascinating, and oh, it's cool. certainly interesting to look at a team like that before the uh, social media and Internet uh, age that we live in now because they, they would have never gotten away with the murder that they got away with, with some of the stuff going on on behind the scenes that that uh but yeah no fascinating watch for sure. i am excited to see les's assessment of michael jordan's suits this day he said there i'm sure that'll be, sure <laughs> that'll be a great segment the 80s and 90s were had those real the big uh loose big lapels suits with the giant yeah. shoulders i feel like everyone had really wide shoulders in those suits back then <laughs> wonderful stuff okay yeah that's it this week on transfer show uh, look out for that kickabout on thursday or friday it'll be else go and listen to last yeah. week as well if you haven't already that was brilliant with Mike and Hannah. Uh, we'll speak to you again soon here on The Blue Room. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know, the average garage door is made up of 1.3-millimeter aluminum panels. Something you probably do know, your neighbor likes to tinker with his dirt bike. Something you probably don't know, a runaway dirt bike can take out your garage door and a good portion of your car bumper. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.